When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. It was the best of time. It was the worst. She was the people's princess. To fight on the beaches. Oh, hey, man. These are the things that made England. To fight on the landing ground. These are the things that made I England. I have a body, but of a weak and feeble woman. These are the things that made England. And a king of England, too. These are the things that made England. Cry God for Harry! And these are the things that made England. England! And St. George! These are the things that made England. Okay, hello, this is David Crowther here, The Things That Made England, and on the other end of the line, I've got somebody. Uh, that somebody would be me, and my name is Royfield. Hello, David. Oh, Royfield, I've missed you. Uh, that's not true. I don't know how you how can you miss someone you've only ever met once in your life, and that was somewhat <laughs> fleeting. It wasn't that fleeting. We spent the afternoon walking around Notting Hill, and I saw the door. No, no, that, that is true. We walked around Notting Hill... Almost arm in arm, we were like bros together, yes, weren't we? We were. And you were doing that thing just like you. You were walking down Notting Hill saying, hi, blah, blah, hi, booty poo, whatever, you know. <laughs> booty poo? Well, you know, I was trying to think. Oh, yeah, I all those people who I said hello to were all uh, staged and they were primed. And I says, I need to impress this this bloke that's coming yeah. down from Oxford. So pretend like right? you know me. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. Yeah. But yeah. No, you know what? I've lived in Notting Hill on and off uh, for some 20-odd years, 22, 23 years. Uh, now I don't really live there anymore. Still, have a, still own a place there. But no, it, in lots of ways, it'll always be home. So what do they call somebody who comes from Notting Hill? Do they call them a hiller or a notter? Uh, they call them bloody cool. <laughs> they really don't. Anyway, so we have, um, I had a couple of things, kind of bones I needed to pick. Mm. Okay. Number one was, we thought I thought we should have some rules. Yes, David. I really thought we should have some rules because it's... I'm much more punk than you. Aggression. 
well, none of the aggression came from my part, but I if you feel that you need rules to, you know, hold yourself in check, feel free. Rule away, sir. <laughs> okay. So the rules away. So we're gonna we're gonna we're going to try and be more structured. We're gonna mm-hmm. try and put the argument together and then away we go. Also I need to do something for Steve. Is it Steve or is it Ken? So I need to say this is David Crowther, things that made England. Uh-huh. <laughs> how, does, how does he actually do it? Do you know, I don't think I've ever actually watched him. How does he actually do it? That that, that was pretty good. I knew oh, who you were trying to trying to ape. So uh, well done, sir. I was um, a bit of aping. Have you finished your bit? My bit. What do you mean by my bit? Your pre your pre the meat of the show bit. My preamble. Hmm. And I've done my ambling. Well, I think. There is a massive ambiguity in what constitutes making a country. I We've kind of half addressed this before. What you said in our promo preamble, which is some of these things which we're going to nominate are not unique only yeah. to England, but they are what makes England English, to paraphrase. It's kind yeah. of what you said. Just because it's not the Magna Carta necessarily doesn't mean that it's not something which is quintessentially English. So you're talking about the rules, aren't you? Which we do get well, up about, and I do kind of think it is like the British Constitution here. You know, we don't quite know what it is, but we know what it is when we see it. You know, I agree with you that basically what we're talking about things here, which are things which together go to make up England. They are not necessarily unique in themselves, but with the exception of most of the things you proposed, they are nonetheless a core part of what it is to be English. I've just been aggressive. <laughs> I must have taken a pill or something. I mean, you, you bring out the... Do I just bring out the worst in you? Yeah, I do, don't I? Darling. Right, so we've got the rules sorted. So people are probably wondering, you know, shall I go and make a cup of tea until they get on with it? So shall we get on with it? Yeah, let, let's do this. Let's do it. So this is... This is me, uh, my proposition, and I'm going to propose to you today, Roy Field, queuing, mm-hmm. and I'd like to tell you why. Ooh. Okay. Uh, actually, our normal sort of template is the first thing we talk about, what is it? I think we all know what queuing queuing is. You might well ask me, you know, why am I going to propose queuing? Well, look, I think England's got a bit of a reputation for queuing because although I'm sure there are other nations that do queue very well, uh, can- Canada good cures, Singaporeans, mm-hmm. good cures. Here's a chap called George Mikus, Hungarian. An Englishman, even if he is alone, forms an orderly queue of one. <laughs> and I think that brings home <laughs> the Englishes. People think that queues are a sign of a dull, compliant, unexciting people. This is not true, Roy, this is not true. They are a jungle. They are the ultimate expression of English social rules. They are English civilization, And if you understand queuing, what's going on in an English queue, they are the golden key to unlock the English character. It's a, it's a very big claim. Lots of the, lots of the world looking and remarking on us queuing is only really post the Second World War. There's like a couple of famous studies um, that were remarking on how we were queuing for rations after the war and how orderly it was, right. as opposed to it being a total bun fight with the fact that, you know, people, were, you know, people weren't starving. Sure, because we were Britain. already cures. 
But it's that kind of social observation in terms of a national characteristic that before the Second World War, other countries don't remark on our queuing. So maybe that's just because they had better things to do, like decolonize themselves or, you know. <laughs> but, but anyway, I, I defer to you. This is, this is your shout, sir. I will back away from the microphone. Do you, do you clean away. your shoes just while we're on the topic? Do I clean my shoes? Yeah, clean your shoes. Uh, yes, but I hardly ever wear leather shoes anymore. So I did get out some special wipes to do my, my trainers the other day. And I want to hear about your special wipes. Okay, so I read mm-hmm. a book, which is what you, know, what you do, uh, by somebody called Kate Fox. She's brilliant. If you want to understand the English and how they work, she is the person who knows. No other book on the English will tell you except for Kate Fox is watching the English, okay? So I turned mm-hmm. my well-thumbed copy, and in there there was an anecdote. Do you remember the? Do you remember what happened in London in August 2011? Does that ring any bells? Um, August 2011. Riots? Yes, the riots. That's it. Okay, so Kate Fox, being an anthropologist, the riots are happening, everything's going potty, and out she goes into the riots in order to observe what was going mm-hmm. on. And she said that she witnessed looters forming an orderly queue to squeeze one at a time through the smashed windows of the shop <laughs> they were looting. <laughs> Which is nice, but that is how strong queuing is. There are a number of different types of queue. Mm-hmm. So the thing that Bill Bryson, you know Bill Bryson? Uh, n- well, I know of his work. Of his work. So, yes. And he's you know one of those rare people who likes the English. <laughs> there are many of them and when there's Alan obviously then there's George I, t- I tell you what you know we haven't got many friends yeah, left in Europe many. we didn't have many and right we kind now. of lost the few remaining ones we mm. did have anyway um, Bill uh, identifies the composite cue as the ultimate expression of Englishness the composite cue mm-hmm. then let's say you're going up to get some money out of an, um, a bank machine yeah cash machine Yes. And there are four bank machines. What do you do? You stand off to one side so that people form a queue behind you to all four. You don't do four queues. You just do one queue so that people get as soon as quickly and as fairly as possible. There's none of that chasing queues, which is the fastest queue thing. That is the ultimate expression of English sense of fairness. But more important, getting over the hideous tension of parallel queues, of which there is nothing worse. I'm sure you'll agree. <laughs> There's nothing worse than thinking I've chosen the wrong queue, is there? Well, there are many things worse. Well, I <laughs> one. Early onset of dementia no, will be something which is ultimately worse. No. Um, am- amputation, no. The tension of parallel queues, Royfield. I, I would say, though, I would say that there is a certain amount of tension, and we've all been in the supermarket and gone, and you judge before you actually hit a queue. You have to scan very quickly and say which one of these is going to move the quickest. So you look and you see not how not only how many people are in that each in in each line what they have in their basket and how old they are. Because if they're old, they're going to take their time. It's an algorithm, isn't it? You're um, so right. Absolutely. Age? Hey, this is terribly ageist of us, especially given the fact that, you know, I'm getting on a bit. Age, number of stuff in the the what's it, speed of the assistant. Mm. Yeah, all important. You're you're absolutely right. The bar queue. So there are areas, are there not, Royfield, where the normal rules should break down. One of those (laughs) is the bar queue. So you're in a bar in London, it's all very busy. Are you, is everybody queuing? 
or are they not? Well, they don't, do they? Nobody queues at a bar. You might queue to get into a bar forward slash club, but whilst you're in, then you do not queue at the right, bar. Right, that is so wrong. So wrong. I'm delighted you said that, Royfield, because then I can say you're wrong in England. No, but David, Everybody. what you're about to say is people get served in exactly. order. That's not the same as a queue. It is exactly the same as a queue. Everybody knows who's next. It can be chaos, but everybody knows who is next. There is a very strict etiquette in attracting the attention of the bar guy. So you can't speak. You're not allowed to say, you know, hey, I'm next, because that would be hideously embarrassing. You have to gesticulate. You kind of have to raise your eyebrows or do a little, you know, put your finger up. You must not shout. But everybody knows who's next. And if somebody goes out of, gets served first, you know, they're there is internal mayhem. When I say internal mayhem. We'll come on to the Englishman objecting to queue jumpers in just a moment. Mm. The internal mayhem in where? A, in, um, in terms of your own psyche, in terms of your own self-worth or society? In, in the Englishman's breast. Turmoil. That person. Right. Okay. So how, how do English women take this? Okay. Internal turmoil, the English per inside the English person's breast. Anchorated, you're absolutely right. <laughs> because there's nothing worse, isn't there, than, than queue jumping? You know, that is the ultimate crime, isn't it? You say, let's say you see a bit of queue jumping going on. What are, what are the sort of things that you notice? What's the sort of general reaction of the English queue? Very loud tutting. Tutting, yes, that's the right. ultimate. Yeah, very loud tutting. Yeah. And then one very brave soul will say, there's a queue here, mate. <laughs> But it's always just one person that is brave enough. <laughs> you know, I've never seen. I, I maybe I have seen that once twice. You know, I bet you're the kind of guy who would say that, aren't you? Would you say that, David? It really depends on what I'm queuing for. Does it? Is that right? Right. It really. But yeah, I can let certain social uh, mores uh, go. Wild thing. If I'm queuing for a bus and there's loads of seats on the bus and somebody pushes in front of me, I'll let them get away. Really. With it. What even without a without yeah. an eye roll? What about a little fidget? <laughs> <laughs> oh, what those vicious evil eye rolls that will cut That's them in two? Right. Yes, you know that, that that'll teach you to no never push in again. again. I'll give them a touch and an eye roll. <laughs> my wife today, who's um, was faced with a situation in Waitrose actually, where somebody had jumped in in front and this person started talking to the person behind them or I think they were with somebody oh it's terrible how somebody so n loud enough for Jane to hear because Jane was just behind him but not loud enough for the queue mm -hmm. jumper to hear because obviously that would be terribly embarrassing I mean it's a terribly cowardly approach isn't it uh, absolutely and it goes to show how we don't like public displays of any level of confrontation in this country, which is the queue is a very powerful manifestation of that. That even when somebody breaks those rules, we are loath to really call them. We're very loath indeed. Let me ask you a few questions. Have a bit of a Q&A session. Uh, oh, I like what you did there. Q &A. Well so let's say, Royfield, that you're in a queue and somebody's sort mm -hmm. of fumbling with their wallet and turns to you or she turns to you and says, would you like to go in front of me? What do you do? How do you feel? Let me think about this. You put me on the spot. The thing is, a lot of these rules, David, we know intuitively, don't we? 
You haven't necessarily thought about it, intellectualised it, but you just know how to behave. So go with the gut, Royfield. Go with the gut. Oh, uh, so we'd like to go in front of me. You're, you're, you're looking at you looking at Harry. We'd like to go in front of me. Well, I presume I'm going to say the wrong Probably. thing. Now. You normally do. I'm being aggressive. Again. I'm going to step. I'm going to step in. Is that what you're going to go for it? Now, I would have said I would have disagreed. That's obvious. There's no wrong and right answers here, Royfield. But you're wrong. So I would have said. <laughs> but if you go, if you you've lost appalling face by accepting that, I mean it's absolutely impossible to accept that. You have to say no, no, no. Of course, no, no. It's fine. You have to, you know, no way you can you can accept such an offer. Well, no, you you, you know what, David? As in most things, you are right. <laughs> and first off, I would I would say no, or at least gesture somehow to say no, no, no. Yeah, no, you you're fight fine. hard, wouldn't you? right? But if but if they're going to really yeah. fanny about... If they really insist, yes, then you, you go know. for it. Yeah. Okay, mm. so are you allowed to leave a queue and return? Oh, absolutely. But it only depends on the length of the queue, though. If it's a really static, relatively yeah. static queue... So if you are, let's say, if you're in an airport yeah. lounge, right, and you're queuing to check in, and that queue is 20 people long, it is totally fine to say to the person behind you look, I'm just going to nip to the loo and whatever, I'll be back. That is totally fine. Right. If you are queuing up for a cash point machine, absolutely not. You can't do that because that queue is only three or four people. You've got to just, uh, you know, wait your turn. Full stop. You cannot say, hold this. I'm going to nip into the shop, buy something, come outside, and then still expect your, your place to be there. I, I totally agree. I think the difference here is if you say something, if you're if you're strong enough minded to say, hey, I need to leave the queue and I'm going to come back. And as you say, if it's not too long, then actually you can get away with it. But if you just leave the queue without saying anything, there is no way you're getting back in. You then... No, no, no. Absolutely not. You've gone for more than, I don't know, five minutes... It's a year, but actually, we should do that, Royford. Next time we're in Notting Hill, you know, walking down to Hugh Grant's door, we should join <laughs> a queue. Say, oh, I've forgotten something. Mm. I'm just going to nip back. Do you mind holding a pace? I say, yeah, sure, no problem. And then go and look around the corner and watch and see what happens. Wouldn't that be fun? Fun is not the three-letter word would I would use them. for it. It would but... absolutely kill them. Anyway. I mean, don't think they would look around. And... <laughs> it it, it would nervous. be interesting it would to be see. Fantastic. You and I have very different views of what constitutes fun, <laughs> David. Very. <laughs> I've, stopped, I've stopped recording. What do you think of as fun, Royfield? Not watching people's reactions to me disappearing out of a queue. <laughs> <laughs> That's not high on the list, David. I'm telling you, be the most rubbish answer I've ever heard. But I think we generally agree that we're very nervous in queues. You know, no people generally speaking don't speak up. If somebody jumps the queue, they'll tuck, they'll purse their lips, they'll roll their eyes, they'll fidget, they'll mutter something. But by and large, they won't call them out true it's not generally going to cause a fight however you know somebody jumps in the way of you on a friday night 2 a.m and whilst you're getting a kebab right fights might well ensue in extreme situations but i think the point i'm making is the english get very worked up about it it matters Mm -hmm. but generally speaking they won't react i i think you're correct but there are a couple of exceptions just one more sort of little round of exceptions i might throw at you so there is all the rules go out the go out the window when you get to the festival queue. Do you know what I mean by the festival queue? Um, is that the one where it's snakes? What is a snake? Where is the snake? Well, specifically, let's say 
airports, right? Uh, when you're going in into immigration or even to check in, that queue is never straight, is it? It's straight, then it kind of bends, goes back on itself, and it bends again, and, and, and whatever. Is that the is that the festival queue? That isn't the festival queue. What you may be talking oh. about here is queues with ambiguity, where I would say that where there's an ambiguity in a queue, you know, it looks that it splits. Mm. So I'm not quite sure where it starts. That is the only occasion when queue jumping happens. The reaction is just as bad. People still touch, purse their lips. Pretty violent reactions. The festival queue. I'm thinking about things like Wimbledon. Okay, you're queuing oh, okay. up. Oh, I know where you go with this. Or it's Harrods sale day, and everybody's queuing up, waiting for the doors to open. Then you get a bit of a party atmosphere. Somebody sings along. Some people have got their tents and they've been out overnight. People are allowed to leave the queues. You know, do you know what I mean? Queues suddenly become a happy place. People work. People will talk to each other, express themselves, that kind of thing. Things they would never do in a normal queue. True. So, so I, it, this phenomena um, has been. Um, good heavens! Sorry, David. You should you, sh- you should never get distracted and look at Facebook whilst uh, your podcasting partner is like. No, I'm, I'm really looking boring at evening with David Crowder. So I've just got a good <laughs> bananas with me, just so I can keep myself amused. Great. This has been. Um, but anyway, um, no. So. What you're describing is the I'm waiting for the new iPhone queue, isn't it? Where all the new Star Wars movies coming out and people get there four days earlier and they pitch up with a tent. And yeah, it's like like Blitz Spirit, Dunkirk Spirit. And and everybody hunkers down because you're having the similar deprivations and and people share biscuits with you and a hot, hot, flask of tea and all that type of thing that's exactly right that is exactly right in those circumstances all the rules are off yeah everything's different well no because you still can't actually that is true you still can't queue jump and in fact if you queue jump at a festival queue you'd die but the point is that what people don't normally do in queues in england is talk to each other look at each other have a nice time and in festival queues they might do that sort of thing i i will i will give you that so i've warbled on long enough now, you're mm. going to say, okay, well, queuing, you know, I know what you're going to say, right, for, you know, because I can read your mind. It's maybe because this is our second recording <laughs> of this. So, you know, so I know what you're going to say to me. You're going to say, look, there's nothing particularly English about queuing. And I'm going to explain to you why you're wrong. Um, no, that's not actually what I was going right. to say, because I think it's one of those things which whether mm-hmm. we started queuing first or not it's one of the things which the world associates with us and we associate with our with ourselves as well so it is english that's what i'm saying but however you you expected me to go oh no 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 the singaporeans q2 uh so let's go with that oh no david right other countries q as well why is last this time you were livid with me for even suggesting the very idea that queuing might be english livid no, David, 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 there are rules. There are rules. Yes, we're going to drop the rules. The rules is a rubbish idea. No more rules. I don't like this. You so you've had a frontal lobotomy or something. Am I allowed to say that? That's <laughs> probably it. Go on. Tell 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 me why so this why is English. English. Because as I said at the beginning, it's the golden key to understanding English behaviour, or at least 
one of the key drivers of uh, English behaviour. Uh, there is one word mm -hmm. that explains much of what the English do, and that word is awkward. We are socially mm -hmm. awkward. We're very uncomfortable. This makes us look, you know, a bit hypocritical because, uh, you know, we're nice to people when what we actually want to do is slash, burn and destroy them because uh, we, we're, we're awkward. We don't know how to deal with confrontation. We'll do anything, as I think you said earlier, to avoid confrontation. And no point do we want mm -hmm. to do the wrong thing, not because we are particularly good people, but because that would make us stand out <laughs> and that would be awkward. We do not want to upset or annoy anybody because that would be awkward. So we are fair and reasonable, by and large, because we don't want to annoy anybody. We are respectful of other people's feelings. I think people quite often say that because if we're not, then we might be forced into a real conversation and have to say real things that mean real things and express real emotions. Awkward. Queuing is all about social awkwardness, Royfield. I put it to you, that is why queuing should go in the cabinet. Isn't this more an example of a relative equanimity in society? That's a nicer explanation, isn't it? So uh, another quote I picked up is uh, somebody saying, I think what you're saying, that a man in a queue is a fair man. He's minding his own business. He lives and lets live. Mm -hmm. He gives the other guy a chance. He practices a duty while waiting to practice his own rights. He does almost everything an Englishman believes in doing. That kind of going, expressing mm. your view a bit more? Well, yeah. Fair, fair. yeah. I, I, I mean, it would be lovely. I'd love to agree with you. And I think there is a sort of fairness element. So I think our social awkwardness actually leads to some very nice attributes. We don't like to upset other people. There is this concept, I think, called of negative politeness. We will try very hard not to intrude on somebody else because we we don't want to upset them we want to give them space and respect them whereas in other cultures they have a positive politeness you'll say oh look you know you're there's something wrong you know and in a way that would drive me out the wall but you know other people would find very helpful i think there's a lot about that about queuing you know we don't want to cause a fuss so okay so i'm trying to think of different types of queue and there's definitely one which you get on the motorway so you're traveling down a motorway the motorway's got three lanes you see a sign a mile before the cones appear and it very clearly says this lane is going to uh is going to become no more in about a mile yeah right now you can very clearly see Right, that people are starting to peel off from from your lane into and filter into the other lanes. Okay, you still cannot see the cones, but people are starting to do it because most people are like you, David. They like rules, yeah. right? They like to be told yeah. what to do. At what point do you, travelling in the lane which you know is going to end sooner or later, but you are overtaking the other cars? At what point do you then? pull over right um it's one of the most annoying things in the world you know apart from again terminal malaria the thing is that i would start queuing very early and feel quite cross about the people who are going right to the end and i hate myself for it because why why it's so dumb you know there are two queues you both queue up in the two queues until they come to an end sometimes sorry i'm ranting sometimes there are even signs that say please queue use both lanes and still, people mm -hmm. start going to the left and feel very insulted when the people go down the right-hand lane. Utterly done. 
next time that happens to, to me, I will get out of the car and take my shoes off and throw them into the bushes and get back in again. <laughs> so what would you do? I'm one of these people that I will just keep going until the cones actually form a, a diagonal across my lane. And then I will then slow down, uh, turn to my left, smile, and then just very gently edge, but really slowly until somebody behind me stops. Right. How did I know you were going to say that? I mean, you are so right. On this one, Royford, you are so right to do what you're doing. And I will try to be brave enough to I do am. that next time. Because, of course, there are two lanes until one of them stops. So fair enough. And the other thing is, as well, I think us English, we seek out a cue. <laughs> you know, we, we really do. We really do. You know, we don't want to be part of any kind of rabble. If we see somebody stood, clearly looking ahead, not around, we we'll go, oh, I'll go and stand behind them because they know something that I don't know and, and I, <laughs> I need to see what they're seeing and I'll wait my turn. I'm not sure I'm that keen. Actually, I did see a stat that apparently people wait for six minutes in a queue before giving up. And they're unlikely to join a queue with more than six people. I think that's true. If that's what the study says, far be it from me uh, to say no, because I, I haven't studied this. But look, I think we've delighted our audience enough, uh, Royfield, because we said we were going to be more disciplined. My contention, Royfield, is that oh. queues are an essential part of the English character, that they are a demonstration of social awkwardness, which lies at the heart of most English people. And therefore that queuing should go into the cabinet. I would say they're a symbol of social cohesion and begrudgingly, they probably do deserve their place in the cabinet. But the listeners you know will what? decide, Royal Field. That's what they'll decide, do. David. They'll decide. Right. Very good. So we should have our roundup from your football uh, edition, which is interesting, actually, because we're recording this so much later. We... We don't normally we haven't normally loaded something up and be able to talk about it. But actually, you're struggling a bit at the moment on your football thing, aren't you? Uh, no, it's going to go in the cabinet. There's no question of that. So we're going to hear about yes. what Luke says about what everybody else said on Facebook about football. So here we go. Destined to go straight into the cabinet of things that made England without needing too much discussion. Catherine was first out of the block with her comment that neatly summed up all that was to follow. How can it not be in the cabinet? Michael also put it nicely with his comment, it's about as exciting as watching paint dry, but it certainly belongs in the cabinet. So, like Magna Carta, football was waved through and will soon perch on a shelf of its own once Jennifer works her image manipulation magic on her magnificent cabinet. Vote-wise, it was fairly conclusive. We have 67 votes for It's as English as Cricket. A paltry 15 votes for Rowena and her gang, who cared for it not one jot, as it's not a beautiful game. And nine votes for the fence-sitters, who'd rather call it a draw. I made a few feeble efforts to get a discussion going. I even stooped so low as to try to goad our American listeners by dissing their beloved sports. It kind of worked and I got severely admonished by Alan and Thomas for daring to insinuate that soccer wasn't big stateside, when their women's teams have long been world beaters, and even the men have regularly qualified for World Cups from the famously competitive CONCACAF group 
<laughs> but the what's the best sport in like the whole world debate is almost as fruitless as who's the best player like ever debate. They are both pretty subjective and largely based on where and when you were born. Though baseball, Robin, really? Marilyn, who has a bit of a history of snoozing, was worried that she had missed the bit that covered football's working-class English roots, which is why she thinks it should go in the cabinet. One of the best things about the discussions we have on Facebook is the agonising about how to vote and the terms of the poll. Philip and Kevin didn't want it to go in the cabinet, as they don't see football as a particularly English, but they do like it as a sport. Tom gave poor Royfield a yellow card for hypocrisy, for opposing cricket but supporting football. Then Dave took it one step further and called a point of order to ask whether the discussion revolves around what makes England unique or what makes England what it is. Royfield, heartily backed by Lisa, brought some sanity to this discussion to point out that the promo clearly states that this isn't about what makes England unique. Hopefully you will have just heard the definitive answer on the question, as David said it was going to be covered. Not for the first time, I agree with Michelle, who proposed we let everyone read into the title what they want. How very sensibly postmodernist. I think we might have had a bit of a blurring of the boundaries between David's stable of podcasts, as he got us all hunting for William's snipe, but I'm sure that's from a discussion that started off on another page. Next, we'll have Royfield asking whether Gladstone was one of the ten Prime Ministers who made England conquer the world, dum-de-dum. They certainly are a creative and productive pair. And as ever, on behalf of our Facebook group, I send them many thanks for another great episode. Now, Rowena, about the offside rule. The way it works is that a player is considered to be offside if the ball is passed forward to him and there is only one or no player standing between him and the goal. Normally this player would be the goalkeeper, but if there's more to a more forward position than two football players who drop the Okay, brilliant. I think um, I've been very rude to you today, Royford, and I'd like to formally apologise. You did that last time. Did I? When did I really? You did. You did. Uh, okay, mm. so I'd like to formally apologise again. Uh, apology, etc. I'm queuing up this apology next door, next <laughs> next to the last one, David. All right, putting it in the box. Okay, so that's it. Thank you very much for listening, everybody. Do come onto Facebook and and vote and talk about whether queuing is quintessentially English. One of the things that make makes England as she is. Thanks very much for listening, everybody. Goodbye from me and goodbye from me. And these are the things that made England. England and Saint George. These are the things that made England. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.